We're going to get into our sermon. It's called No Limits. I want to talk about having no fears and no excuses and living life with no limits. And when I think of no limits, I think of a lot of Old Testament figures like uh, Daniel or Jeremiah or any of the Old Testament figures you see. I, I see those guys that live in life with no limits. They followed God. They served God. They shared God's word. And we're going to talk about just two of those guys today. But I want to ask, has there been a time, you know, you just raise your hand, you ever made an excuse for something? Anybody ever made an excuse for anything? I know I have. I played golf yesterday. I made an excuse for a lot of stuff that happened yesterday. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I made an excuse for quite a few things, actually. I need to stop lying. Um, but uh, I know that, you know, obviously I've had more times than I'd like to count up here to share with y'all because, you know, it's a little embarrassing sometimes. But I've made an excuse for a lot of things. Uh, some of my favorites that I love to hear uh, with rolled eyes or a sarcastic tone is, uh, I don't know how, uh, I didn't understand, I'm too tired, always hit me when I was younger, I always said that when I was like, I'm too tired to do this, I'm too tired to do that, I'm tired, Mr. Bob, I don't want to get up and help pick corn, I don't want to help do this, I don't want to help do that, I'm too tired. Or, even ones we say in our mind that we don't say out loud to people, I'm too scared to do that, I'm too, I'm too afraid to do this, I'm afraid of the outcome of this, so I'm too scared to do something, that's an excuse that I hear a lot, and we love talking about excuses and stuff like that or using excuses and there's so many more I could bring up today but I don't think we had time to do that because I could think of a lot because I think of a lot of excuses like when I don't want to do the dishes or I don't want to vacuum I don't want to do laundry there's a lot of things that I can make excuses for what I don't want to do but we don't have time for that so it doesn't seem to matter what we're doing there is always an excuse for something there's always an excuse for something that we don't want to do or we're intimidated of or we don't have the energy for, it, it doesn't matter. You can name it, we can do it. As Christians, we seem to find a lot of excuses. I know when I was more immature in my faith, I found a lot of excuses for why I didn't want to read the Bible all the way through. I didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. It was challenging. I didn't feel comfortable. There were things that when I'd read in Scripture that really challenged me and made me feel uncomfortable because I was learning and growing. But those times were the times that I grew the most in my faith, the times that reading the Bible, the times that reaching out, doing things in my community, they made me grow the most, but my excuses seem to always hold me back. Um, ones that we hear in church all the time, to go back to excuses we hear, uh, it could be excuses like, that's the preacher's job. I hate that one. I'll, I'll say, I don't say I hate that one a lot, but I hate that one a lot because I hear that a lot, and I heard it a lot growing up. That's the preacher's job. Um, uh, I don't know if I'll, that I'll be able to fit this into my schedule. As somebody that asks people a lot to fit things into their schedule, this one's a little frustrating. And to go back to that, I thank everybody for VBS that fit my VBS into your schedule or our VBS into your schedule. Um, but I'm too old to relate to these kids. I got that a lot at my, old min my older ministries. Um, a lot of people said they're too old to relate to these kids. I had a 65-year-old man that worked, one, was one of my volunteers at my youth group that he was at everything. He was playing with the kids. He was outside. He was 65. He was still shooting basketball with the kids. He was still doing this and that. He didn't let being older or you know, more mature uh, hold him back from ministering to people. Uh, I'm too young to be able to talk to older people. That's one that I got from some of my kids at ministries too because it goes the other way around. And when I was younger, it was always really intimidating talking to an older person. This was one that I got all the time. I felt like I was going to stumble over my words. I still do it now, but I kind of just get over it and just deal with it. Uh, or one that I, I hear a lot, I'm too scared to, of how someone might respond to what I'm saying. 
When you're sharing God's word, you shouldn't be scared of how somebody's going to respond. You're sharing God's word. You shouldn't be scared to share God's word and share God's with people, words with people. But we get intimidated by that. Or that person looks mean. That's one I always used when I was little. I'd see an older person sometimes, and this is my guilty thing, is like a little 10-year-old wanting to read the Bible during church because we had this little thing where we'd read in front of people. Be like, that person looks mean. I don't want to read. So I'd go hide, and I'd go hide behind my grandma and that kind of things. Uh, but with all that being said and getting all these excuses out, uh, Benjamin Franklin once wrote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for doing anything else. He who is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Making excuses hinders us. Uh, at the beginning stages of Jeremiah's call, because we're going to talk about Jeremiah for a little bit, uh, it is called to be a prophet. It is called to share God's word. He had every excuse in the book for God for why he couldn't serve him or why he thought he wasn't ready or why he didn't think he was capable. He had every excuse in the book. And I think these are instances we have to realize that we have no excuse and should fear nothing when serving God. We always tend to make an excuse. We always tend to be timid or not want to reach out or be bold, but we shouldn't. We should learn from Jeremiah's example right here as we read Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, if you want to get to your... Get to it in your Bibles. If not, it's on the screen, but I need to take a drink, so that's my excuse. Um, but it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And verse 9 through 10 says this. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down and to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. That's an, awesome, that's an awesome call to ministry right there. I love reading that. That's one that when I first got to Mackey, I read that one. So it's always a good throwback for me to read that one. I read that one a lot when I decided to change my major to youth ministry. But I'd like to go over a few excuses that we see here in Jeremiah and in his, in his beginning account here. And the excuse number one is the task is too demanding. Jeremiah, in uh, Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nations. It sounds like a heavy task. It sounds like a lot to do to preach to a nation. I mean, I'm, you know, I get nervous sometimes just thinking about speaking in front of 50, 60 people. So I can't imagine how it feels to go out and speak to the nations. But God called Jeremiah to do this, and he calls all of us to do this. He calls us all, because you read later in Matthew with Jesus, he calls us to go and serve all nations. But the role of a prophet is extremely demanding. And the entirety of their ministry was unpredictable other than the Lord being with them. They didn't know what else was going to happen. All they knew was that the Lord was with them, and he was going to give them what to say. That's all they knew. They didn't know what was coming, but they knew God was with them in all things. A good percentage of the time that I've made excuses is when I'm afraid to do something. And I know Jeremiah was afraid right now. I know he was terrified. A young man being called to be a prophet of the nations, being called to do all this stuff, being called to go preach the word, is a terrifying thing to think about going to go reach all these different people because you don't, you don't know if you're capable of it. Um, I would always have an excuse to never climb ladders or get around clowns or anything that would make me scared or uncomfortable. Um, I'd always have an excuse for that. I can't imagine how terrified this young man felt 
during this time. But Jer- it's the same way with Jeremiah in this passage of Scripture. He was terrified of the notion of being put into a ministry he didn't feel prepared for. But through this passage, God showed him that none of Jeremiah's excuses were bigger than him. There was not a thing that Jeremiah could say to God that he was not bigger than. There was not a thing, an excuse he could make, a fear he could have that God was not bigger than in this instance. Uh, one example I like to share a little bit of my own life with stuff. I'm a high school, I was a high school dropout. I went back, got my diploma before I went to college. Um, but not because I wasn't smart, but because I was, uh, I was scared to put in what it would cost to be necessary to go back. I dropped out. I dropped out because I thought it was the easy thing to do, and I was scared to go back because I wasn't ready to put in that effort. I was scared. Just like Jeremiah was scared of his ministry, I was scared to go back. I was scared of what people would say to me. I was scared of how hard it would be or the cost of different things. Uh, so for a year after dropping out, I worked and said, oh, I'll get back to it eventually. I'll just put it. And you, whenever you do that, you just tend to put it off and you never want to go back to it. So I worked and I worked and I worked until finally one day my grandma Laquita sat me down and I didn't know I was in trouble until she used my full name. Whenever she says Christopher, whenever she says Christopher Allen, I know I'm in trouble. But she, she called me by my full name. She said, Christopher Allen, come here right now. And she sat me down. Um, and I kind of look at it as, a similar instance of being sat, God being with Jeremiah. My grandma, a very devout Christian, a lady that knows the word, reads the Bible all the time, uh, wants what's best for me and my faith and my family and our faith. Um, she knew that I was meant for something more than that. She knew that I could do the task. It wasn't too demanding. I just didn't have the faith necessary to move forward. And she worked with me and talked to me all the time. And she said, look, if you're going to stay here with me, you're going to go back to school. It's one of those ultimatum things. But I'm so thankful for my grandma. She helped me realize the task wasn't too demanding. I had people in my corner the whole time that I just didn't see that were willing to help me. I had teachers that looked out for me, teachers that helped me. Uh, my minister at my church at the time, her, elders of my church, people in my church that I kind of just downplayed and said, you know, that's, they're not going to help me. But I realized that I had more people to serve to help me do what I was capable of, help me reach my goal, and then eventually I got to Mackey, so, you know, it had a happy ending, and then, of course, I met Kristen, which is a happy ending, too, but, um, you know, all these good things happened because I realized the task wasn't too demanding, and that God had things in place to help me overcome this task, just like Jeremiah, God had things in place for Jeremiah to help him overcome this huge task, because it was a huge task, preaching to nations is a huge thing, or being a prophet to the nations is a huge thing, And at times we tend to find ourselves in Jeremiah's shoes in the church setting. The task is too difficult in itself. But we have God that can overcome any difficulties or struggles. Um, He can overpower anything that we face in our lives. One of the biggest examples in ministering to people being exclusive to the preacher. I use the preacher's job all the time. Um, One of the things that really bothers me about is ministering to people. People say that's the preacher's job. He's supposed to minister to people. No. I've seen at this church, like individuals in this church alone that do probably more than me and Mark combined sometimes with how much they love people, how much they serve people. I know especially me. I, I just look at people as examples that I need to do better. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more to serve people. But I see these people that don't think of ministering to people as too demanding. People that just love on people because they want to and because Jesus loved them. I've seen so many people in this church and it's so inspiring every day to be able to work here and serve here and see these people that help me realize that this demanding task isn't too demanding uh, and they get that while the minister does have responsibilities in this if you do nothing with your faith because it's too difficult and and it's too hard and it's too tough then what's the point of it all why would you why do you even have faith in god if it's too difficult you 
you, a lot of these folks here, I speak highly of y'all because I see it in the example y'all set. A lot of people here see that God's too, is God is bigger than these tough demands, bigger than this big task. And they lean on God. And it's so awesome to see that. Uh, it's, going, it's going to be tough. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The task is tough. It's demanding. It takes a lot. But we have God to lean on during that thing. That's something I've learned from my own life and looking at Jeremiah's example. Is that even when the task is demanding, we have a God that is bigger than any fear and any excuse. And we can live our life with no limits because of that. The second excuse that I see all the time is that this makes me uncomfortable. I actually dislike this or hate this more than I hear hearing that's the preacher's job. I hate hearing this makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm a socially awkward person. Most of my friends could tell you that. Um, I love being around people, but I'm super socially awkward. I don't always know what the first thing to talk about is, or I don't always know this, or I'm socially awkward. My friends could tell you that. But getting uncomfortable and being uncomfortable like like what I mentioned earlier, is times that where my faith has grown the most. Getting uncomfortable, getting out of that comfort zone, because if you stay in that comfort zone forever, you're never, ever going to grow further in your faith. If you just try to stay comfortable, you're never going to grow further. I can promise you that. You're never going to grow in your faith. And honestly, you won't grow as a person if you don't learn to get uncomfortable sometimes. I've learned that growing up. If you want to get uncomfortable, or if you want to grow, you need to get uncomfortable. You need to get out of your comfort zone. Um, one of the things that we see in Jeremiah's examples where he, he says he's a youth. He says he's young. He, he can't talk to people because he's young. I encourage our kids all the time to reach out to people. I encourage our kids. I want to see them do what we're doing here in the future because they're our future. I encourage them all the time. So they, need to get out of their, they need to get out of their comfort zone. They need to sit with that kid at school if they're in public school that sits by themselves and encourage them and love on them. They need to be the person that holds the door open for somebody. And I always encourage them to do small things. They don't have to do giant things right off the bat, just little things to get out of your comfort zone and be different because we're called to be different in Christ. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be something more than what just this world is. Even though he was young, I feel as though going through with God's calling for his life helped Jeremiah grow greatly in his faith. I want to challenge you in this section of what we're talking about to get out of your comfort zone, whatever it might be. I always say with the kids, just go sit with that person that's by themselves at lunch or, you know, fill in the blank there. But be willing to be that person to take that first step. I know in my last sermon I talked about the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. It's the same thing here. Getting out of our comfort zone and serving Jesus starts with one simple step. Just getting out of our comfort zone and realizing that God has our back. We can get uncomfortable because God has our back. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And it talks about leaning on God and not leaning on our own understanding. I think of that here all the time. When I get uncomfortable, when I get out of my comfort zone, I learn to lean on God. And you see many other examples in scripture of people leaning on God when things get tough. Even in Jesus' ministry with the storm and walking on water, all that stuff. People are getting uncomfortable and getting out of their comfort zone. They learn to lean on God a little bit more when things get tough. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Even when even when you feel like it's going to make you uncomfortable, get you out of that comfort zone. Uh, a third excuse, and this one hits a lot of people a lot of times, um, and it hit me hard in my life too, uh, I'm not good enough. A lot of people like to tell themselves when serving God and serving and ministering because of your past or because of what you've been through, your journey, I'm not good enough to serve God. That, that's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie that the devil uses to get you down all the time. Um, you are good enough. If God is calling you to serve or you have given your life to Christ, you are good enough because Jesus died for you, even at, even at your lowest. Um, but it's one of the biggest excuses I always found myself saying, I'm not good enough. 
is the biggest excuse every person has to overcome in their own way, their own self-doubt, their own doubt in themselves, believing that you aren't good enough for God's grace or that you're broken beyond repair can completely paralyze you in ministering to other people, believing you're not good enough to do this. I could say because of things I've experienced, I'm not good enough to stand right in front of you today, but because of God's grace and who Jesus is, he has forgiven me and given me a second chance at things. I could say it right now, I'm not good enough, but I know that because of who God is, I'm able to do what I'm doing right now. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity. And it's something I always include in my prayers. It's just I'm so thankful for another opportunity to minister to somebody, another opportunity to do better, another opportunity to grow my faith because I am good enough with, with Christ. I'm not good enough on my own, but with Christ, I am good enough. Um, one of my favorite sports movies of all time, I don't know if you guys are sports movies buff, is Coach Carter. Anybody ever watch that movie? Anybody? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, in this movie, a guy named King Carter is hired to coach a group of inner city guys on the high school men's basketball team. And I love this movie. Uh, during the entire film, Coach Carter is constantly trying to change the culture of the basketball program from where it was. And this made a lot of these guys uncomfortable because they were not used to being pushed out of their comfort zones. Talking about our last excuse, it was one of the most, it has one of, my opinion, my opinion, you can, you can say there are other movies with more quotes, but um, it has one of the most influential coach quotes in sports movies history, which is, our deepest fear is, that we are, is not that we are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light that scares us, not our darkness. Paul, one of the most influential figures in the New Testament, next to Jesus, obviously. I love Paul. I love reading what Paul has to say. Paul is one person that I look to a lot as somebody that uh, really, really took Christ and moved forward after having such a rough start. He wasn't always the best role model. He kind of you know, it wasn't always the best person before he became Paul, when he was still Saul, um, before Christ entered his life. Even after repenting, he still considered himself the worst sinner of all in 1 Timothy 1.15, where it says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. A guy that wrote a good portion of the New Testament still considers himself one of the worst. A guy that was inspired by God to do great things still considered himself one of the worst. But he knew that he had God to lean on. He still served God faithfully. If Paul can overcome his terrible past, his terrible, uh, his terrible self before Christ, then we can too. We are good enough. With Christ, if you choose to accept Christ, you are good enough. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect right off the start. Uh, God has a way to overcome our weaknesses and our in insufficiencies. I have learned over the years, however, that the person most aware of his own inadequacy is usually the person most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. My inadequacy has caused me to reply, rely upon God. Sorry, can't talk. Um, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And God is bigger than anything we fear or any excuse. And I want to look at another guy from the Old Testament to kind of wrap this all together. Um, where we're going off this idea of God is bigger than anything. Um, and let's bring it all together by looking at a guy named Daniel, a guy we read all the time about in children's church. It's, a, it's an awesome story. It's really cool. Uh, it's an awesome account of someone having complete faith in God no matter the circumstance. I think it's good to look at this story anytime we feel as though we want to make an excuse or are too afraid to do something because, honestly, I think Daniel got the worst deal of it all uh, when thinking about that or got a pretty terrible deal. Uh, but to start out, just to go over the first few verses without 
reading. Um, Daniel had a pretty sweet deal to start things off in Daniel 6, working for the king. Uh, this all came to a halt when he was faced with a pretty, pretty tough choice, though. Worship the king as the law of the kingdom said, or continue to worship God as he had been doing. So let's read, uh, starting out with 6, 6 through 9, to get an idea of what's going on. So these administrators and satraps went over as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The, lo- the royal administrators, prefects and satraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any other god or human during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put this decree in writing. Daniel was faced with a tough choice here. Daniel, but in verse 10, we see what Daniel, when Daniel went home and he prayed and he gave thanks to God, even though hearing this decree made. It's crazy to think about. Um, you know, I shank a ball way over to the right side of the golf course and I'm like making a thousand excuses for why that. But Daniel's sitting here faced with death and he still chooses God over that. He still chooses God over death, over punishment. He still chooses God and he thanks God for the opportunity to serve him. He could have made every excuse in the book to save himself. I'm pretty sure he was afraid. Even though he still prayed and gave thanks to God, I'm pretty sure he was still afraid. But he didn't let that hold him back. He kept, even though he knew the consequences of worshiping God like he had been, he still stood strong in his faith. I don't know about you all, but I think it was a terrifying time. I don't know... uh, where he found the faith for that, but it's inspiring to see. He learned to lean on God, and it's something that we can remind ourselves to lean on God when things get scary, because we're faced with a lot of scary things in life. At times, we find ourselves in situations like Daniel, where it may not be life or death, but the decision brings us to a halt because the fear it causes us. We excuse excuse it because it may be too tough, too scary, or too uncertain for us. Daniel made the choice to worship God, even if it meant he would lose his life for it. He didn't make an excuse. Even if he'd lose his life, he still continued to worship God. He was faced with a tough choice, and he still worshiped God. We see that facing his fears, knowing that God was with him, helped him overcome the most terrifying situation that he could have ever faced. I'm sorry, I included 10. Can you skip down to 16? Starting at 16. Yeah, that was, a, that was on my, my bad. Um, so the king gave the order, and they brought... Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king scaled it with or sealed it, sorry, can't read it. It with his own ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. Then the king returned to the palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted God. 
At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, along with, the, with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. It was a pretty scary situation, pretty tough situation that Daniel had to face. He stayed faithful to God and remained faithful to God. Even when he was afraid, he could have made every excuse in the book. And it's an awesome testimony awesome testimony of the faith that Daniel had to overcome every excuse and every fear that he might have had going into this. He still chose to worship and thank God, even in a tough time, even in a scary time for him, when he felt like he didn't know what was going on. He could have ran away from it all and excused it all, but he didn't put a limit on what God was capable of. He lived life with no limits. He didn't put a limit on what God was capable of doing and lived his life with no limits, just like Jeremiah eventually did after his call to ministry. These prophets and these Old Testament figures, I love going back and looking at them because they truly live their life with no limit. And that's why I want to encourage all of us to do the same thing. Uh, Daniel knew that God would see him through the low points if he put his faith in God's plan. He knew that because God was who he, who he says he was, that God would see him through this low point, this tough point in his life. Um, and to conclude things, I just want to say our fears and excuses are powerless when we put our faith in the Lord and he sees us through these situations. Has God called you? Then he, fulfill, he will fulfill his purpose in you. He will equip you. He will enable you. He will protect you and he will accompany you. Are you obeying his commands? Then you know what's right. Are you sharing his word? Then he will accomplish his purposes no matter how people respond. God is with us through everything. No matter what we're going to face in life. No matter, what everybody, no matter what anybody in this room is facing in life, I want you to know that God is with you. Just like he's with Daniel, just like he's with Jeremiah, he is with you through all things. No matter how tough, no matter how difficult, no matter how rough it may be, just always know that you can lean on God during tough times. That's why I always my favorite verse of Scripture is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, because as I've gotten older especially, I've realized I need to lean on Him more and more. I'm really hard-headed, so it's really hard for me to lean on somebody else. But I've learned to lean on God more and more as my faith grows and has, as I mature in my faith. I keep maturing because I keep leaning on God, and I keep trusting Him with the big situations and the, the big things. Uh, and I want to encourage you all to do the same. And I'm so thankful for an opportunity to come speak in front of you guys again. Um, it's awesome. I hope Mark and Jackie are enjoying their vacation. Um, it's awesome to share this with y'all. But I encourage you to live life with no limits. I'm going to ask Mr. Steve to take things from here. And the band's going to come up and do our invitation song. And thank you so much.